Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're also on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel every single weeknight at 7 p.m. Also check out Five Reasons YouTube. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe buttons. If you subscribe, you get content Every day, pretty much most hours of the day, also on the South Florida teams, including the Heat. Also, 5reasonsports.com. Spell that one out. You get the latest takeaways for Brady Hawk and others on the teams in town. We do not have a paywall. And check out the great sponsors of the 5 Reasons Sports Network. Yeah, the Heat are done, but you can still play prize picks if you want to watch the NBA Finals, which I know some of you don't. But if you decide to at least make it profitable, go to prize picks on the App Store or on the Google Play Store, or just go to prizepicks.com, get it, hit that code five, or type in that code five, F-I-V-E, you get your initial deposit matched up to $100. You don't need to play it all at once, but you can play not just the NBA Finals, but also the Stanley Cup playoffs if you want, MLB, and much more. So go to Prize Picks. make sure you're using that code, F-I-V-E, for five. And now, today's episode. Down uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. We got the whole crew today. In fact, I was with two of them at FTX Arena. If you can find Alex Toledo at Tropical Blanket, you can find Brady Hawk at Brady Hawk 305 and Greg Sylvander at Greg Sylvander. Miami Heat had their exit interviews today. This isn't like it used to be. Everybody used to talk at the exit interviews, but now we kind of got the tip off the other night. This is probably the last time you're going to see Kyle and Jimmy. Uh, so made sure to get those questions in post game. And then also for Bam, uh, no PJ Tucker today either, but here's who did talk. And we're going to get into the major topics that came out of it. Eric Spolstra, Tyler Hero, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, and Udonis Haslam. At one point, we were told that Victor Oladipo might talk. Again, it was optional for them. Uh, he didn't. Uh, but some of the notables who didn't, because this guy always does, Duncan Robinson did not. Um, and also uh, Dwayne Dedman did not. A couple of players whose futures are kind of in doubt with the team for different reasons. Dedman's a free agent. And of course, Robinson uh, lost his starting role and eventually his rotation role. Uh, as the playoffs went on this year. So we're going to try to break this into topics, the things that we thought were most interesting. I think we agree on most of it, um, but I, I'm going to go number one here to what I thought was kind of the most interesting thing that Eric Spolster said. And Eric got into a whole bunch of things about taking some time to get over it and all the rest of this and how they will evaluate things, the developmental program. But when he was pressed a little bit, he did say this, Kyle Lowry will get in the best shape of his career. And so 
you know, at, at first, you know, he talked again about how he wished the season had started six weeks before the, uh, the playoffs had started six weeks earlier because Kyle was really rolling then. Uh, but clearly they could have answered this a different way. He could have answered this a different way. Uh, and the, I'm going to go to the guy who wasn't there today because we discussed this a little bit on YouTube already with Brady and Alex, but your view on the fact that Eric Spolstra made it clear conditioning is going to be something that's approached with Kyle Lowry. I was surprised he said it, honestly. Uh, after game five, when we did, when Alex, you and I did this, the show um, with the golden oldies doing something in the background, I don't know what that noise was that uh, after game five, I mentioned that I thought that this would come up. And the only reason I say it is not because I think that Kyle was out of shape in a way that negatively impacted the team while he was playing this year. It's more about if you're going to make it through this entire season and you're going to be ready for the real season and that kind of stuff, then I think it's just incumbent on him as he ages to be in the best possible shape to get him there. So I think that the, the it's, there's some just common sense related to it, but I was surprised that they came out and led with it that way because Kyle Lowry has came to Miami very much on Kyle Lowry's terms. And so that was definitely Spolstra now saying that there is an accountability factor in the other direction. And I think that Kyle will respond to that in a good way. I think that he's very much wired like Jimmy in that sense. Um, and I, 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 you know, towards the end of that series, Kyle stepped up his play. There were moments where he still didn't look great, but I think he, he elevated as such. And I think that he'll probably respond, but yeah, it was interesting to hear Spolstra kind of lead with the chin on that. Well, we think he'll, uh, he'll approach it the right way. Um, Cause he is a veteran. Obviously he's going to the hall of fame. We believe um, has six all-star appearances, but a lot of heat players <laughs> have not reacted to it the right way over the years or necessarily the way the organization would want. I mean, this was a big, big, big issue for Tim Hart with Tim Hardaway for years. You know, the, the idea of getting under uh, a certain body fat percentage and clauses tied to it. Of course, they also with, with Tim, they had the three to one assist to turnover clause, which he didn't like either, but he really didn't like the, the conditioning one. And then we saw, we've seen, I mean, this has happened over the years. I mean, Antoine Walker and James Posey came back from winning a championship and were both suspended at the start of the season uh, for not uh, passing the tests for a variety of reasons. Antoine Walker promised in the locker room in 2006 and they won the championship. He wouldn't stop drinking until the next season. It looks like he actually went through with it when he came back because uh, they wouldn't, wouldn't put him back out there. Uh, and then we saw with James Johnson and Dion waiters that there were a variety of situations. One of which with James Johnson was conditioning related where I, my understanding was he actually passed the conditioning test, but he didn't pass kind of Pat Riley's special standards. So I am just curious on this. I mean, again, they picked, you're right. They picked Kyle Lowry, but he picked them. That was the other thing. Like they had to so, so overpay with the third year and the $30 million, but he picked them. Um, Alice, do you, do you foresee any issue here? I, I I'm just, I'm curious because again, the leverage position is a little bit different. I mean, they already have him on the roster now. I don't know if I foresee an issue. Like, I think, like you said, he picked them. And um, just like we talked about here, like the, all the heat culture stuff, the reputation around the league of them wanting everybody to stand or a body fat percentage that's been talked about on several NBA uh, podcasts hosted by former or current NBA players is like a thing that's very much known around the league. And so that's why I think it's like, he's already, you know, he knows what it is. He knows what the deal is. So uh, I don't know if he was expecting that comment today. Obviously there was something that was asked by the media. It's not like Spo just threw it out there, but um, that's why I'm, I'm, you know, 
we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, right? Because I'm not really sure how to project it from here. Like, I think Kyle's in. I think he wants to win a title. I think he, he knows that these are the last years of his career. He came here to play with his boy, Jimmy. They were one shot away from the finals. I think he wants to win a title. And I think you saw that in the emotion in his face uh, after the game in game seven when uh, he called it a waste of a year, which is a little strong. But I, I get the thinking uh, from his perspective. And I think all of that just points to he is all about winning, right? He is all about winning a title and whatever that takes. And I think he knows what that means uh, when you play for the Heat organization. So if I had to predict, I don't, I don't see that being an issue. But maybe I'm wrong. He is a 36-year-old point guard. Maybe he's not going to want to change his ways in the summer if, if they really, like, press him on it. But um, I, I would suggest, I mean, I would uh, expect that, that the organization and him are on the same page. All right, let's get to topic two here. And this one um, was from a player who was there, not about a player who wasn't, which is I asked Tyler Hero uh, flat out, you know, is it your, your goal to start next year? And he didn't say it was his goal. He said, because I listened back to it, um, he basically said that's I'm going to I'm going to go the exact quote. Maybe you have it up, Greg. I should have had it up before we started here. But he was very definitive uh, that he deserves to start. Um, I've earned it was what exa he exactly said. Um, and and I, I think that, you know, he's expressed this sentiment before in a bunch of different forums, in a bunch of different ways that he accepted the six man of the year job. He tried to make the like six man job and then he won the six man of the year that he tried to make the best of it, but that he looked at himself as a starter. Now they did make him a starter in his second season. It just didn't work out all that well for a variety of reasons. And I know we did many podcasts on this where we looked at who he actually played with in those first 10 games and guys, he was playing with Mo Harkless for some games player Myers Leonard, I think started two of those games guys were in and out of the lineup. It didn't work though. I, I think that was generally acknowledged uh, and then ultimately this past year, you know, he made the best of being a six man. I'll go to you first, Brady, on, on this. First thing, were you surprised that he was so direct about it? And obviously Heat fans reacted to this a certain way, which is, well, he'll start in Utah, but he doesn't want to start in Utah. He wants to start here. Yeah, definitely. I, I wasn't surprised because for one, he is in his fourth year and he is just coming off a, a 20 plus per, point per game season. Uh, he's not going to sit up there and say he wants to be a Lou Will bench player for the rest of his career. Like he's going to want to take that next step. He's going to be, want to be a starter. Uh, and I think the difference is when you mentioned before being in the starting lineup is that's the exact thing of the players he was playing with, but he also didn't have a point guard at the time when they were trying to merge him into being a starter, they were trying to merge him into being a point guard and being that one, two, that a creator, that playmaker. Uh, I think now that you have Kyle Lowry, it's a little bit easier to ease him into that, I guess, uh, to get him to that point. But then it also gets to the point where I know we're not going to do the offseason thing and talk about who's going to be on the team, but let's say it is the same as right now, and they basically run it back with extra pieces around the edges. Uh, does that lineup work? Like, you're subbing Tyler here in for Max Struess. Like, does he give you enough, I guess, shooting-wise off the catch? Uh, and there's different elements there, but specifically on his comments like that's a coaching thing that's a pat riley thing in terms of roster construction on his part specifically yes he, he should want to start like he's getting to the point now where he's a starting caliber player it just comes down to how they're going to react in terms of building him into there and yes he said it's exactly he said it's my fourth year i think i've earned it uh he has earned it i guess in terms of this team uh but i'm interested to see how they deal with that i'm interested to see with how the rest of the team looks i guess Alex said before about we'll cross that bridge when we get there. That's how I feel on this. Like, I feel like we have to cross that bridge when we get there because we are a little over 48 hours away from them losing in game seven. 
I guess to predict next year's starting lineup was, it was a little tough, but specifically on his comments, uh, I don't think it was anything out of the ordinary. Well, we got to play the audio because of Ethan's uh, astute question. Um, so he, here's that. Tyler, you, you accepted the bench role this year and you made the best of it, obviously. <laughs> you ended up winning six man of the year. Is it a priority for you this offseason to become a starter, a full-time starter for this team next year? Uh, yeah, for sure. In some some way, I would like to start. Um, I think it's my fourth year, so I think I've earned it and we'll see what happens. So that's interesting that he says that. I mean, I think there's a part of this we have to acknowledge. Like, there, what is he supposed to say, right? Oh, no, uh, I, I'm prepared to come off the bench again. I, get, I mean, I guess the ultimate team first comment would be, I'll do whatever it takes to make the team win. But to his point, he's in his fourth year, and the Heater now they have a big question on their hands. Is Tyler good enough to be a starter? Does, to Brady's point, does that lineup actually work? Um, and can you make the rest of the pieces around him fit? And uh, and I also thought it was interesting. He brought up his age and said, you know, I'm 22. People forget that. I think that that was kind of an interesting wrinkle that he threw into the mix there in terms of expectations and what he felt like he got through in terms of the playoff run. Uh, they got big decisions related to Tyler Hero coming this offseason. Well, it seemed to me like he came to the press conference with a bit of a plan, to be honest. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean, you know, these guys go up there and they know what the general questions are going to be. I mean, a couple of them said it when they got up there. Obviously, Struess knew he was going to get asked about the last about the shot that got taken off the board. Um, you know, Gabe Vincent, I think, kind of sensed we were going to ask about development as a point guard, et cetera. Caleb's got contract situation. So that was out there. Um, and obviously Udonis, when he sat down, said, I don't even need you, you guys even ask the question about whether he's going to play again. I think Tyler knew he was going to get asked about uh, a, a couple of things. One was the extension, which he did say will kind of wait. And he didn't push the extension, right? I mean, that, that one he didn't push out there. Starting, you know, I, I was told this has been on his mind. That's one of the reasons why I asked it. And, and clearly it was. And then. Uh, I think that the other thing that you mentioned him saying he was only 22, that was kind of in response to, you know, sort of what he went through in the playoffs. And I think that's a little bit of a, and I don't blame him for it. It's a little bit of a defense mechanism because he knows what's out there on social media. And he knows uh, that the frustration that, that he fans had with his postseason before he got hurt, right? It wasn't just after he got hurt. So I think all of those things came together with him giving those answers, but there really are a bunch of different things we need to consider here. Okay. Um, one of which is, okay. Is he on the team next year? Okay. But let's say that he is, if he is on the team, is he on the team with an extension and is he on the team as a starter? I think if you look at the team as concurrently constructed, it's hard to make an argument that somebody should be starting ahead of him. Okay. The argument is fit, <laughs> which is an argument we make here all the time on podcasts. Like does he fit best for this team in the starting lineup? But with all, you know, again, no disrespect to Max Struess, who we'll get into in a second, you can't make an argument that either Duncan Robinson or Max Struess has done more to deserve being a starter than Tyler Hero. That's just not an argument that, you know, somebody age 22 especially is going to accept, okay? The, the question is that the organization will have to answer, and we're going to get into, this is going to be many, many podcasts that we do here, is, is he the three-level scorer in the starting lineup who fits Jimmy Butler's timeline. That's where we're at right now. And I, I think that Jimmy's performance in the playoffs 
for now two out of three years and particularly what he did this time, you know, in a lot of ways alone, a lot of nights, you know, has made that the central question. And so Tyler's up against a lot of stuff right now. He's up against the fans being fans who, you know, we were, you know, we're not that many weeks away from the fans ridiculing John Hollinger for not, you know, wanting to make Tyler Hero a unanimous six man of the year and all the heat fans rallying to Tyler's defense to when I posted the quote of Tyler today, which you guys just read or, or played. Yeah, for sure. I'd like to start to my fourth year. I think I've earned that. We'll see what happens. Literally 95% of the comments are not supportive of Tyler. Like a lot of the quote tweets, the other stuff. Well, you will in Utah, you know, enjoy the conversion to Mormon. I mean, it's all, that's basically what the tweets are. So a lot changed in the playoffs in terms of uh, perception of his season. I think a lot of it's unfair, but I think that's kind of where we're at. Alex, any thoughts on this? I mean, it was definitely the most interesting part in my view of what was said tonight, right? I think, and we're going to talk about the other stuff that was particularly interesting or bold, but to me, this is the number one boldest thing set out there because like you said, Tyler said at many points uh, throughout the past couple of seasons that he thinks he's a, you know, he's a starter level player. And I believe that too. Like, and I agree with what you're saying that he individually has done more than Max and, 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 Max has been great as a starter for them. But what I was just looking at while you guys were talking there, you know, this is just some stuff to consider. That lineup with Hero in there uh, with the other four guys not named Max was like a negative 11 point something when it comes to net rating during the season. Uh, only played four minutes in the playoffs, so didn't really get a sample of that. And then you talk about uh, the lineup with Struess. I thought it was going to be a much bigger positive during the playoffs. It was like a .96 or something like that. So it was a lot closer to neutral which surprised me and another one lineup uh, with Struess uh, in that starting lineup was a huge positive during the regular season. So there is a case to be made that throwing Tyler in there and kind of switching up the way you play a little bit, having a, a couple of extra type of uh, options in that starting lineup is a good case to be made, but it's, I don't know. I don't know how the heat feel about that. Like I'm sure they respect him a lot and view him as a starter level player, but I don't know if that's how Spo sees it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if Spo still views it um, as somebody who is, as, as somebody who is best utilized as a six man of the year, that's kind of the whole thing uh, with me when it comes to Tyler. It's like he was six man of the year because he is so good in that role. Do you put him in the starting lineup and kind of risk maybe getting some uh, production that maybe you weren't expecting in the sense that like you, it's not it's not consistent, right? You're not getting the 20 points a game cleanly like he was every night. Uh, coming off the bench is it the best for the starters is it you know the best for the defense since he's more huntable than max there's a lot of questions but I thought it was interesting that Tyler would put himself out there like that because the difference was between this time and the other times when it comes to the way he was speaking was like almost every other time it's premised with oh I'm going to do whatever it takes for for the team to win right and that's kind of like the quote-unquote right thing to say and this time it was more outright like no I'm a starter I've earned it so uh, good for him that he feels that way. We'll see what happens. We'll see if that's how the team feels. I think the other thing to consider is there, there's other dominoes that play into this, which is if you're going to start him, don't you have to then try to bring Oladipo back to run the bench or, or give him that opportunity? And also, I don't think Vic's going to be promised a starting job anywhere else, but but a team could, I mean, a team could tell him we're going to get you back in the starting role. And then all of a sudden you're competing for him in a way other than just money. So there are other factors, you know, Caleb Martin's status, Martin status too. So, I mean, I, I just think that there, there are a bunch of things that are out there that, that will weigh into this, but the fact that he was definitive 
to mean, you know, was he, he was going to get asked the question and these are somewhat business decisions now. And this, he's at the time where he's up for an extension. You make more money as a starter than as a sixth man in this league. Um, I'm sure that people around him have told him that uh, he's got to know that. And he just would have been in a perfect position to pretty much ask for whatever he wanted, but then the playoffs went the way they went. And so now it's, it's kind of stripping that back and kind of figuring out why it went that way. And then again, how he fits, but Alex's numbers on the, on the starting lineup, you know, with him in there. Uh, I mean, we talked about that all year, like that. It just never looked right. And it, it, and statistically it never played out right. And so the idea of, okay, we'll just get Jimmy more scoring help in the starting lineup. If Tyler's not operating in the right spaces on the floor for Jimmy to be able to, to operate, it doesn't really matter. All right. We're going to get to some of the other topics that were discussed today. Before we do, I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the five reasons Sports Network, and that's You Break Wheel Fix. You can find them in North Miami. They just moved to a new location, bigger location, because they got so many customers now. But they will find room for you, particularly if you mention five reasons. They do wheel repair, refinishing, and they do custom wheels as well. They got more than 20 years of experience. They can fix the damaged wheels from curb rash, cracks, or bends. Again, they're based right in North Miami. Check out the website, You Break. That's the letter U, breakwheelfix.com. Or go to Instagram at YouBreakWheelFix. They got the address right on there. They offer no credit check financing up to $5,000 for a new set of wheels. So give them a call. Reach out to Mark and everybody else down there. 305-748-0112. 305-748-0112. Again, that's YouBreakWheelFix.com. And I did want to mention also, it's right before the end of the month. Uh, we still got the same promotion though. 5 RSN. That's number five. And then the letters RSN at therapistpreferred.com for all of your premium CBD, the tincture, the sports cream, the gummies. Go to therapistpreferred.com. Use the code five. That's number five RSN. And you'll get 25% off. All right. Um, one shooter spoke today. One did not. Uh, Max Strews spoke. He addressed uh, his shot. Um, I think we're mostly in agreement on this one, that that wasn't handled correctly. He still doesn't think uh, he stepped out of bounds, which is not even really the issue that the Heat had as much. They had an issue with how long the decision took to be made. Uh, and Max addressed that also. Um, but I thought Max's uh, presser was interesting for other reasons. One, Duncan did not speak today. Uh, which a little bit unusual. I mean, we know the questions Duncan would have gotten if he'd been there, you know, falling out of the starting lineup, falling out of the rotation. Does he think he still has a home here in Miami? I mean, you kind of know it was coming. Um, he made a decision not to answer those questions today. And really, what can he say, right? He's always talking about what can he say? I mean, we all know it was frustrating for him. Um, but Max did speak, but Max also spoke really confidently, I thought, um, especially the part, just little phrases he had that were just sort of came out of his mouth. You know, he took responsibility for the three point shooting drop in the playoffs today. Um, we all know it wasn't just him, even though his numbers dropped, but he kind of took the Jimmy approach to that where he took, he said it was on him. Um, but he also said, you know, as the best shooter on the team. Now, before the season started, Duncan Robinson was the best shooter on the team. Um, obviously Tyler hero had moments this year. He looked like the best shooter on the team. But Max had just asserted, you know, kind of struck me. Um, and also, it, it's just pretty clear, and I'll go to you first on this, uh, Brady. It's pretty clear that, that, um, that he views himself as a starting potential player now that he's kind of gone through three rounds as a starter. Well, yeah, he's a confident guy as it is. So I, I would expect that he would view that anyway. 
uh, you were talking about the way he was talking confidently. The fact that you hit on the main thing is the, the Jimmy element. Like we've known about Jimmy and his relationship all season. Like we've seen it, but the fact that you have a, after game seven uh, and, and game six, where it's always Jimmy taking the blame for everything. Like it's Jimmy just putting everything on his shoulders. Uh, even when we know it's not him, like he just had 47 and 35 in the last two games. Max Struess just said that, like you said, and he put all the blame on him, said blame him for all the shooting struggles. Uh, and then the fact that he threw in right after that, just slipped it in there as the best shooter on the team. And I think it could be one thing where he's viewing it that way. And the other thing is, it's just statistically correct. Like on the regular season, at least, he was one of the best high volume three-point shooters, not only on the team, but in the league. Like he shot 41% from three across, um, what was it, around six and a half attempts a game. Like that is not an easy thing to do. So giving that crown, or just slipping in there, at least being in that conversation is not crazy to say. So I think that's pretty clear. And the fact that they needed a two-guard kind of catch-and-shoot guy, and he's in the starting line of playing the most minutes in this playoff run, I think could pretty much tell you that anyway. Uh, there was a lot of other things I think he threw in there in terms of just like uh, being confident where he was talking about his defensive abilities when he was asked about that, and he made sure to throw in like, I'm, I've always been confident on the defensive end. Like I always thought I was solid on it, and, and he's mentioned that. I think this season kind of, proved that in a lot of ways. Um, and I think the other thing he threw in there was talking about this series when he made sure to mention at the beginning of this Boston series, the Divots player of the year, Marcus Smart, was the one that started out the series guarding him. So there's just a lot of elements of this. Uh, it's just somebody that takes and puts a lot on his own plate. And we've seen that. And he's performed at the highest level of a guy that's come from uh, just a, a crazy story in terms of coming up from nothing and then ending up in a starting spot in these conference finals. Uh, but yeah, I don't really have a, a, a problem with them saying that. Like, I think this heat team specifically, they love guys like this. Jimmy loves guys like this guys that put their own targets on their back and say that how high and good of a shooter they are and make sure to put that there. Like that is just such a Miami heat and a Jimmy Butler thing. So, uh, I think it was actually a, a good thing to say. I'm, I'm so glad that you went there because that was my takeaway. Like Max has been hanging out with Jimmy and that's apparent. Max is Jimmy's guy. Um, it had some Kyle Lowry vibe to it. I think Max is really kind of, um, he's connected with the leaders on this team in an interesting way. And I just think that that has been seen over and over again. And this is the last thing I'll say about Struess and his comments today and his confidence. That boy's playing for a contract. He's on a vet minimum next year. And obviously it has his sights set on a multi-year deal going down the line. So he has a lot to play for, a lot on the line. So I, I, I appreciated the candid confidence. And I think he will be, as Gabe Vincent will be, um, and hopefully Caleb and Yurt, like this is kind of a little farm system that now needs to play above their contract values next season. So he's one of those guys. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but the elephant in the room is that Max didn't start the year as a starter last year. He's playing for the contract. He's not the one with it. Right. So, I mean, I, I don't think we're going to question, you know, whether Max is going to be hungry. He's already shown that whether it was for money or not for money. Now, obviously, he'll have a little bit more to play for is, you know, this, you know, this three year deal that he signed uh, kind of moves moves along here. But but no Duncan. Um, and it just a lot has changed here. And, and I just it, what's interesting to me about the Duncan situation is this. There's obviously a role that he can still play for this organization. There's a reason they valued him enough to keep him, uh, to retain him at the number that they did. And that to a certain degree, from what I heard, Eric Spolstra, and this is just known if you know their, what their relationship was, 
you know, bang the table to keep him. Okay. That Eric Spolscher, the coach himself, but we saw Alex. Oh, I mean, it was, we kept saying like, Eric kept taking away things right over the year, like not slowly. He didn't yank him out of the starting lineup right away. He talked him up. He still tried to run a certain game for him when he was in um, until we got to the end. And then again, completely invisible, like to not, you know, not even, I mean, he didn't play him in the last game. They needed bodies like, <laughs> right. And he, and he, he didn't even get in anywhere. And I, I keep going to the phrase, the playoffs tell the playoffs tell the playoffs tell for, for more so than the regular season for Duncan, the playoffs told he made eight, three pointers in his first play, right? Right out of the gate. This show is sponsored by better help. What's the first thing you do. If you had an extra hour in your day, go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami heat game. I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. Against Atlanta, I don't think he made eight the entire rest of the playoffs. I'd have to check it, but he didn't really have the opportunity to. So this is setting up as kind of an interesting, somewhat weird situation where if you don't trade him, what is the role next year? I mean, Hero wants to start. Shrews clearly is talking like a starter. You've got to, you got to convince Vic that he's going to get some minutes. They talked, you know, Spolster talked about, you know, his offense and, and getting him, you know, to, to an offseason program. It just doesn't seem like there's a place for Duncan anymore. It's almost like they have to move him, but you don't want to just give away the asset entirely. Yeah, it's a really tough position. I think they've been put with uh, specifically tough for Duncan, right? Because, well, I mean, you know, he got the contract, right? That, like, you guys were talking about. He's the one who already got his due, got paid. Uh, and so that part is good for him. But as far as uh, on the floor, like you said, he's kind of been demoted little by little. It, was, it happened gradually throughout the season. And I agree with you. Like, I still think the guy can shoot the hell out of the ball if he's given the opportunity to. But the, the reality is a reality when it comes to the amount of players that, uh, you know, that they have who are playable in their rotation. And they ended up choosing all of those guys over him. We had so many conversations throughout the regular season as far as like what's going to happen in the playoffs, who's going to play, who's not going to play. We saw the decisions, right? There was a lot of times where it went back and forth. that wasn't necessarily one way throughout the entire playoffs. But when it counted most, Duncan was not necessarily, necessarily relied on. They only went to him in the couple games with Tyler out and even then had a really, really short leash. And I think it ended up coming down to Spo wanting one of the only one of the three uh, tres leches out there at a time. And I think Duncan ends up being kind of the odd man out because Tyler was the guy who, you know, who can get his own bucket, who can, uh, you know, make things happen for others. And Max just ended up being the better defender. And like we Brady talked about his defense there. Um, 
he believed that he was a great defender all season. He was somebody who swayed me along the way too, right? Like I think um, I had some concerns about his defense, even though I liked his, his general intensity on it on that end, but he very much improved as far as just being a consistent defender, I think throughout the season, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he was just like that the, uh, the whole time, but I thought he did, he did a much better job uh, growing in that role and just kind of uh, adjusting along the way. And so, yeah, Max is clearly that guy for now, whether he starts or not, he's going to be a part of the rotation as their shooter, as the quote unquote best shooter, right? Since he's the one who's actually playing. Uh, Tyler is obviously going to be a part of the organization as long as they don't trade him. Like he's going to be in that rotation, no doubt about it. I don't know where the space for Duncan is. Like maybe he can go back to getting somewhere around 20 minutes a game next season, but it feels like we're headed for an off season where everything is about, can you get another piece for him? Because maybe you can, you know, you're not getting the, the, the production you wanted for what you paid. Right. And I'm not a big contract guy, but I think that's the one Avenue that Heat are going to look to explore to try to improve their, their roster. If that's what they're going to do this off season. Well, whether you're a big contract guy or not, though, I mean, you, you can't. They allocated but, a, a good percentage for him. Right. I mean, Greg, I mean, Greg, you made the point. I mean, they, they got $17 million sitting there for next year. And I, and, and I, I've been of the mind and I've repeatedly said, you know, it didn't prevent them from doing anything last off season. Um, you try to secure the asset and you can, it gives them a potentially movable contract. Exactly. I, 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 I just wonder though, you know, look, other teams see it too, right? So, 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 gone down. so, so here's the problem is that, right? Like, I mean, the, the value of the deal goes down. If, if, if another team is looking at it and saying, well, the Heat didn't use him, they needed shooting. They needed shooting in the playoffs badly. I mean, they shot 32% from three, 31, 32% from three in the playoffs after they were 37% for the regular season. Some of that, was declines of some of the players who played, but some of it was you took Duncan's 37% um, on high volume out of the equation for the most part, which was going to lower your numbers. And so your other guys had to at least stay where they were in the regular season. They didn't. Uh, but if you're another team, you're going to look at it and say, okay, if you're, a, if you're a contending team, let's say, okay, you're going to look at it and say, well, can he play for us down the stretch? Cause he couldn't play for Spolstra um, down the stretch of these games. And then, if you're a bad team, I don't know that he has the value because, you know, I mean, the ideal role for Duncan is is really the role that the Heat had created for him, which is that he's on a team with good, good, def good defenders who can protect him on the defensive end and that he can essentially create that space for Jimmy and Bam, two players who need it. Not every team is constructed like that, right? No, and I think you just have to look for teams. Um, when you talk about Duncan Robinson, he may not have um, the same value that he once had, but a three-point – I mean, you look at some of the worst three-point shooting teams. Oklahoma City was at 32%, Detroit 32 Orlando 33 the Pelicans 33 the Wizards 34 the Pacers 34 I'm just Yeah, but none of those teams a, made the playoffs except the Pelicans. But I'm no, saying like – No, and so, I mean, so the point is, is you may find a team that's just starving for shooting in a league that, that – requires it that may find him as a reclamation project it's not a completely crazy contract there's some stuff there at the end with guaranteed money that can make it a little bit more attractive but it may take attaching a pick and then the bigger question is do you save that salary to then combine in a larger deal so it could take longer than heat fans are expecting um i just don't see how you can go into next season with him on the roster um 
regardless. So at some point you're going to have to figure out a way to, to get a deal done because they need help in the front court. They got to get PJ some rest throughout the season and they need more scoring. So however that happens, I think Duncan is just naturally the chip. They can't hold it forever. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think when we say you can't have him on the roster because we think he's going to be a malcontent, that's not his personality. I, I, no. I don't think it's that. I just think that it's that you have needs that clearly popped up in the playoffs and you got to figure out, but can he be an asset that can help you fill one of these needs, which is what he should be as an elite shooter or has his value depreciated to the point that, like you say, you have to attach a pick, which is not something we thought that they would have to do. And, and obviously if you have to do business that way, you're always kind of working from behind. If you have to do it, you do it. But I don't know. I, I one of the other issues he's up against is that the recent, we talk about shooting being at a premium, but the recent bets that have been made on shooters around the league have not paid off. I mean, Davis Bertans isn't even with the same team that paid him. I, you know, so, you know, I, I think that does become one of the issues And we're also seeing more of these teams with length or switchable. It, it makes it harder to kind of find that perfect spot for Duncan and it should be here, but I think to, to justify his place as it was, he's got to be shooting in the low forties from three. And, you know, he was creeping up towards the mid thirties. He ended up pushing up over that, but, I think that's the issue there. All right, one more topic that we're going to get to here. Uh, well, we'll kind of combine two. We'll do quick, two real quick here. We do want to mention our new betting partner here, Five Reasons Sports. I know, again, a lot of you not really keen on watching the finals, but this is another way to make it more interesting. It's called Better Edge, B-E-T-T-O-R-E-D-G-E.com backslash Five Reasons. You go there, you get 20 bucks to play. This is peer-to-peer betting. So in other words, let's say in the Boston Golden State series that uh, you like a certain team, but not by the line that they talk about on either at Vegas or the offshore sports books, you can find the right line on better edge and it'll just adjust how much uh, you end up bringing in or losing uh, depending on how the result goes. So go to betteredge.com backslash five reasons. We're going to do some contests up until the finals there. And again, it's B E T T O R for better edge.com backslash five reasons and $20 bonus right off the top, just to give you a chance uh, to check it out. Uh, a couple other things that, that went here. We're going to do these, these quicker. Uh, Caleb Martin expressed a desire to stay today. I, I want to be here. He said, obviously he would, he would see what was out there, but he wants to be here. I don't think for any of us, that's a particularly big surprise. Um, and I know they want him back. I just think it's a question of uh, price and then also role uh, to a certain degree, Brady, uh, you hit it on, on the video that we put on the, on five reasons, YouTube that, maybe using him in more of a PJ Tucker role, uh, more of a role player uh, this time around and kind of really uh, building that out. He didn't play as much during the playoffs as the regular season, but I don't think it was a question of being like unplayable, like Derek Jones was in the playoffs a couple of years earlier. I think it was just more a, a case of circumstance, but I do want to get to the other thing from a big picture perspective. Udonis Haslam again, didn't commit to coming back or not coming back. I made it very clear to me though. when I, I asked him, uh, about, uh, I can't remember what I asked him now. Well, oh, oh, when I asked him about, um, whether this was like night 2005 in some ways that, you know, the heat lost in Eastern conference finals on their own floor injuries. In that case was to Dwayne Wade to miss game six and played game seven, but didn't play particularly well, uh, with a rib cage pull. They, they get beat on their home floor with a chance to go to the finals in 2005. It's the last time that it's happened. And then when they got, and then obviously they got to the off season, people thought they would keep things together. Riley traded Eddie Jones, who really did not perform well in that series. Um, had the big contract. He traded Eddie. Uh, he reshuffled the roster. He brought in uh, Gary Payton. 
past his prime, but still a functional backup point guard at that point, Jason Williams to start, which was really the big experiment. Could you get him to fit into a heat program? It turns out he did uh, Antoine Walker and James Posey. They got off to a terrible start the next year. Uh, basically a 500 team for the first two months of the season. Stan Van Gundy, we all sort of know what happened with that. Lots of different versions of it. Pat Riley takes over. They go on to ultimately catch fire. Dwayne catches fire. They win a championship. So I asked you, Donis, if this was a little bit like that, which he knew where I was going, which basically meant, do you blow up the roster around your core guys, kind of like he did in 2005? His response was that either that's a question for me for two years uh, when I have an ownership stake, essentially. So, so I'll get to this in two different ways, um, and I'll start with Greg here. A, do you think we're seeing going to see 2005 offseason here? And I guess the second question is, do we think Udonis Haslam is actually going to be a part owner of the Heat here going forward? I'm answering the second question first. Yes, okay. that is, I mean, um, that's happening 100%. And he's coming for Dwayne's percentage ownership stake. I think that that's likely what he's going to aim for when he was saying, you know, just kind of joking about uh, getting on Dwayne's level and being able to have those conversations. Um, <clears throat> my, Miami is attached to Udonis in ways that Utah can never be attached to Dwayne Wade. So I think UD knows that. So that was a lot of fun. Um, as far as the first question, I think the offseason is going to go one of two ways. And we're going to have a lot of time to talk about this. So I'm doing this in one sentence. I'm being as concise as one can be. Uh, I think either there's going to be a huge move if the opportunity presents itself that doesn't include any of the top players in terms of Bam, Lowry, or Jimmy, but everyone else could be possibly on the table in a big move or it's going to be a move where Duncan Robinson is sent to fill a specific need. Maybe it's another front court player with more length, um, you know, depending on with Tyler, it could be a score. Uh, I, so to answer your question, I don't see it being a situation where it's um, the entire team changes. I think that they like a lot of the bench pieces. A lot of those pieces are locked in at low contracts next year. So they'll be back. I think they're going to find a way to get PJ back. Caleb, I think will be back. So you'll see a lot of familiar faces, but the Duncan hero scenario and kind of how that transpires is going to dictate how active they are. And it's just impossible to go there yet. It's too early. I mean, Alex, we've seen, you know, this organization over years, this predates you and Brady a little bit, but you know, power rally never been afraid to trade the really good player for what is perceived to be at that point, the better player, whether it's Glenn Rice to get Alonzo morning or, or, you know, uh, Lamar Odom and Karan Butler you know, to get Shaq or Josh Richardson to get Jimmy Butler. Um, and I feel like we're here again, where it's Tyler hero, potentially, along with Duncan Robinson, you know, to try to get a Donovan Mitchell. I, I guess the thing that I keep coming back to is that there's this assumption on Heat fans that these teams are going to want to deal with Miami. And I, I, I just, I, I don't think that's necessarily a given. I, because A, they may not value Hero the same way, or um, they just may not be at a place where, where that's the type of player they want or roster construction, or maybe Danny Ainge is in charge. Like th there's just some stuff that people are not considering here. And I, I feel like Heat fans are putting themselves already. I mean, we're not even 48 hours out, but they've completely forgotten everything this team did this season. I'm not saying run it back entirely. I think they do need to make some changes. I, I think they, 
as I say, the playoffs tell, and they didn't have enough playable players by the end of this thing. Okay. But I feel like heat fans are setting themselves up for disappointment a little bit. Like this assumption that there's a Jimmy Butler out there that just absolutely desperately wants to be in Miami. I don't think that player exists. So necessarily. So how this time around, so how are heat fans going to handle it? If Tyler is back and they're starting to guard and maybe Duncan is even back for the time being until they find the right, the right, you know, partner for that. Not well, if you're asking me how heat fans are going to handle it, if they just run it back and pretty much all of the same guys are back, not well. And by the way, I think that's a little bit ridiculous because, you know, and I'm going to be saying this a lot throughout the offseason. They were a shot away from the finals, right? Like I, I'm just going to try to like hammer that through uh, because I really do believe that this team had enough to get there, not only to beat Boston, but to give the Warriors a real shot. Now, obviously we know the context of the team being banged up and all that. And I, and I think all of that really factors, right? Like maybe the, this banged up heat team that we were seeing towards the end might not have given the Warriors a huge run for their money for all we know. But I do believe that the team as currently constructed is really damn good. Like they got the one seed for a reason. They weren't like this dominant team or anything, but everything points to them being a team who was very good on both ends of the floor. Right. And I think although we had our concerns and it ended up showing itself towards the end about the half court offense and all that, once again, it was good enough to get them where they wanted to go. It, it really was like with Tyler Hero banged up um, with guys not shooting at the same level with uh, some of the main players being banged up, they were still right there, right? Like, it feels like all of that being said, they probably shouldn't have been as close as they were. And all, and basically what I'm trying to say is it's a really good team. And there's, I feel like if I had to guess, there's like a 40, 50% chance that the, the same team is back next season. Because like you're saying, I don't know that there's going to be a trade when it comes to Tyler, right? And as far as trying to get like, this big time volume score that everybody's begging for the Beals, the Mitchells, the Levines, the Lillards, all these guys. Like, I don't know why teams are going to make those guys available for Tyler hero, Duncan Robinson, and a, you know, the 27th pick in the draft, which is kind of what everybody's already throwing out there. Cause you know, he Twitter has already moved a hundred percent towards making trades and kind of the, the off season focus, which is fine. You know, I, I shame people the other night for doing it on the night of, but um, I knew this was going to happen. And, you're right. They're setting themselves up for disappointment because I do think that like the one thing we might see uh, this summer, if I had to guess is Duncan being moved for another front court piece, like life was talking about. And like, I don't think Tyler being moved is, is out of the picture or anything like that. I just think it would have to be a trade that really makes sense for both teams. And I think that's tough because Tyler's stock just went down in the playoffs, was not playing at the same level um, that he was in the regular season. We know that, you know, the context behind the way that teams were scheming him out and made him, uh, a real priority, but it is what it is. The production was not there. And, you know, a team might still um, like what, what he brings and what he does, because it might be a rebuilding situation for them, but it's, it doesn't feel like there's a situation out there where Tyler Hero is going to get you, get you this huge high volume score, just throwing that in with Duncan in a 27 pick. Like it feels like a lot of pipe dream stuff going on and it is setting themselves up for disappointment. Like they were right there. They got to build around the edges. And I don't know that that high volume score guy is coming or if that's what they need to win. Like it would be pretty cool if you get one of those types of guys, obviously. I think they believe that they have enough. So I don't know, man. Alex has the guts. Well, I, I think every I love time Alex. we do this, you know, the question becomes, are they correct in thinking that they can run it back and still get to a certain point. 
or are they kind of overvaluing what they have in house? And that that's always been the question we've kind of grappled with. I think when you look back historically, and we'll do more podcasts on this. Okay, a first thing: some of those who started the transactions talk haven't watched the game the whole season. Okay, so that's I mean they're not about the games; they're about the transactions. And again, I'm not diminishing. We're going to do some transaction talk, but again, I know some of those who are leading this in the social media space didn't watch this team this year. So I, I think that's part of it. But I also think we've got to look back at, at previous heat eras and when it is that Pat decides either to tweak or either to sort of leave it alone to tweak. Okay. To tweak significantly or to blow it up. There are different stages of this. If you go back to the late nineties, he basically just did a tiny tweak to that heat team. Once he got the Zoe, uh, once he got the Zoe Tim mash core, just a new backup point guard. That's all year. he did every year. He <laughs> just replaced it. And some of it was by choice. It was, I mean, once he, you know, he went, Eric couldn't keep Murdoch. He brought in Terry Porter. Um, it was towards the end, but he was still effective. Then actually it was, it was Crotty the third year. And then the fourth year was they let Anthony Carter. Uh, he won, he won a job in camp. Okay. Back a point guard situation. Right. So back a point guard situation. So they brought in all those guys. So, but he, he left it alone until 2000. He let that team take really four cracks at it before they just realized. And, and as, as someone who's still with the organization told me, he says, we just, we knew when we left the building that night that that team wasn't going to be back. Like they, 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 they'd given it as much time as they possibly could. So what did they do? Well, they turned it all over basically to try to get, uh, they initially wanted to get Tracy McGrady or Grant Hill, the big fish, right? Pat flew up to Orlando to try to intercept them from going to the Orlando magic. They both went to the Orlando magic. In the case of Grant Hill, it turned out to be probably a, a bullet dodged in terms of what you were going to pay him with the ankle injury that he had. Obviously, you would have wanted McGrady. He didn't get either of them, so they made the trade for Eddie Jones, got Brian Grant to come in, thought they'd rebuilt this whole thing, and pretty much gave Eddie then, you know, again, Zoe's illness played into this, but they, he gave Eddie five years to, to prove that he could be like a lead guy or a co-lead guy. And after the 2005 finals, I said to someone there, I said, I don't think Eddie's going to be back next year. Be 2005 conference finals, because when Dwayne was out, Eddie didn't rise to the occasion and Pat flipped the whole thing. Seems to be these builds are in like three, four, five year cycles where ultimately, and then he, after the championship, there was the build towards Dwayne uh, with Dwayne. And then it was Dwayne needed help. Okay. We're obviously you're going to do whatever you can to clear the cap space for LeBron James and Chris Bosch, but there was a decision made there that this build is only going to go as far as us getting the cap space. They made that decision. So uh, there are certain times we've talked about him being too loyal um, after the 2006 championship, uh, never should have brought that team back. Probably that was a one year thing that they caught. They caught lightning in a bottle. Obviously the 2016, 17 season, the 30 and 11, everybody's sights paying all those guys after the season, but then he cut bait on that team, you know, reasonably quick as soon as he could. Okay. I think with this team, it's kind of in the middle. I think he does see a path to a championship with Jimmy and bam. I don't think he sees a need to totally blow this thing up, but I think it is to a certain degree, getting better on the margins with what you have on the roster, which means what we talked about at the beginning of this episode, their big recent investment, Kyle Lowry getting in the best possible shape. It means Bam Adebayo's aggression. 
It means uh, Max Struess and Gabe Vincent, who also spoke today, you know, improving and, and taking on bigger roles with the team, maybe more leadership roles as well. But it also it may mean the, you know, the, the thing he's done before, which is trade the good player to try to get the great player um, and just take the run on it. But I come back to this. I don't know that the great player is going to make himself available to them this offseason. And I'll let you close on it, Greg, because we're going to do more podcasts on this. But the, the, the Donovan Mitchell thing, I mean, it's just it, it, there's no certainty that he's going to be available to the Miami Heat. It's, a, it's not as simple as saying, OK, throw the Tyler Duncan and the 27 picks. Enjoy Utah. That, that's not necessarily how this is going to play. There are other teams in the league. that are going to be interested in Donovan Mitchell if Utah decides to make a trade trade with him at all. That's the issue. Um, I'm here to tell everybody Don, Donovan Mitchell would love to be in Miami. So make no bones about that. Um, aggregated. If you'd like, it's been aggregated for me before uh, sources close to him have told me he wants to be in Miami. Um, so, so that is what it is, but you hit on the, on the component that nobody has control over, including Miami. And that is Utah playing ball in terms of a package, accepting the deal that Miami would have. And um, also, you know, there's just other factors, timing with Tyler's extension and how that plays out and what that means for um, any type of future move. So to me, uh, you're right there. There's no clear cut indicator that any guy will shake free. But in typical Riley and Andy fashion, they will be watching and waiting. And if somebody does shake free, they are in position. And Barry Jackson has had some really great uh, writing on this recently in the Miami Herald about all the different avenues they have to improve the team and picks and things like that. So there is ammunition, but to your point, it's going to take a very unique opportunity to come up and those don't come up often. So to, they may need to, uh, you know, just kind of work around the margins. And to me, a Duncan Robinson trade for the right player is not a, that's a major move for this team in terms of how they can uh, go into next season. So I guess I maybe I quantify the major move differently than maybe others will. Right. Yeah, I, just, I just, I just want to throw in really quickly to add into that, that it's not even, it shouldn't be considered constantly running it back. Like, it's just like being realistic. Like you, the idea that like, it's just like you're running it back and just agreeing that you just want to roll with the same team. It's like to pull of your guys's points, like it comes down to other teams and other players. Like you can make uh, the fun edits of every player, but like if they're not in that Jersey realistically in real life, it's just not going to happen. So it comes down to, uh, we've seen time and time again the Damian Lillards or the Bradley Beals being loyal. Like that doesn't just change because the Miami Heat just missed a shot in the Eastern Conference Finals to not get to the finals. They want to make that extra move for Jimmy. Uh, the Donovan Mitchell thing feels the most realistic, but if I'm the Jazz and you're balancing Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, like I feel like I know which way I'm leaning, but that only comes down to, I guess, Donovan Mitchell forcing his way out and saying, I, I guess, voicing it to the public and to the team that I want to be in Miami and he wants out of Utah. So it's just so many other elements than Miami actually doing it. Like, I think we can all agree you do trade the good player for the great player, but to your guys' points, like the great players probably uh, there's a good chance he doesn't come available. So it's not the heats thing. It's these other teams. Uh, and I do want to just say one last thing, just to, to segue a second, because I know you started this conversation with the Caleb element. Uh, I think the way this ties into, I guess, roster construction as well is this team. I think the focus usually role players, like it's like increasing certain elements of their game individually. I think the focus this offseason for a lot of their role players is to find their role. Because we learned this season that they had a lot of depth. Like they had a whole lot of depth 
and we saw where that got him. But it's a whole lot of just placing guys in and out and replacing them and just seeing where it goes. I'm looking around this roster. I'm looking at guys like Victor Oladipo, who Eric Spolster was talking about coming back better than ever and coming back to training camp, which I don't know if that's a, a sign that he could possibly be re-signed. The fact that throwing that out there already, but he's going to need a role. Like this is going to be now they'll have 82 game regular season, I guess, to do that. Uh, and it cuts back to Caleb Martin talking. I asked him about uh, just the playoffs and, and kind of finding himself and what he needs to do. And he kept bringing up PJ Tucker saying, that's a guy that kind of can model his game after a guy that could be a playmaker, a roller, a screener. I think there's this element of the, there's guys that just in the off season are going to work on their handle, work on their shot, work on their uh, creation, get to the basket. Like this is an element where I think guys like Caleb Martin are working on their playmaking off the roll. These small elements that we don't see, I guess, behind the scenes, uh, because I think that makes the difference. And the way that Caleb was talking, like how he was so into coming back to Miami and he was so sure that he basically said it over and over and over. Uh, I think that's going to be the main focus. And I think that comes back to roster construction uh, because if you have the role players that are playing up to their abilities and you know which role players you're going to have on the court, that's when you can make the Duncan move, I guess, and, and find out what player you need to plug in there. Uh, and to tie it back even more, which once again could be so many different podcasts that we can have this discussion, if we cut back to Tyler possibly starting, we know one a, a duo that's worked really well together P.J. Tucker and Max Struess, the two that have been locked together. P.J.'s talked about how much he's done for him. If you want to move both of them to the bench and the Duncan trade is for a high-level front-court player to put next to Bam, maybe that's the outlet. Maybe that's the move that we're talking about, I guess, throughout this offseason. All right, we got a lot of time to get to all of it. I'm guessing also Pat Riley is going to speak at some point this week. Tends to happen usually late in the week. So if he does, that'll give us about three podcasts to play with. After that, check out our sponsors. Bis, uh, excuse me. Well, Biscayne Bay Brewing is a sponsor of ours, too. Get one of those. Uh, but also, therapistpreferred.com. Use code 5RSN. Uh, our friends over at You Break Wheel Fix. They're based in North Miami. Get your wheels refinished or repaired. Uh, Better Edge, B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com backslash five reasons as well. And therapistpreferred.com for all your premium CBD with code 5RSN. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.